Welcome to the SLP Happy Hour Podcast. Our goal is to provide you with a way to listen to real conversations on work by real SLPs. We are full-time SLPs in the trenches. These are honest conversations by SLPs for SLPs. This is a podcast to discuss work, life, and taking care of ourselves in a profession full of ups and downs. This episode, Sari shares a lesson gone wrong, and Sari interviews me on the topic of changing SLP jobs and work settings. I'm Sarah, and with me is Sari. We are both SLPs who love to talk about ways to make our work lives and even our out-of-work lives healthier, more content, and calmer. And I'm Sari, a clinical fellow, officially more than halfway through my first year as an SLP. I can hardly believe that I'm halfway through already. I've learned a lot this first year and I feel better equipped at balancing my work life and my personal life because of doing this podcast. This podcast is a place for conversations about what it's really like to work as an SLP. By listening to these conversations, I hope we can all feel less alone, less isolated, and more empowered to be great SLPs. Today, we are digging into the topic of enthusiasm. It's one of our favorite topics lately, and it's something I've been thinking about a lot in my work life and my out-of-work life. So since we're talking about enthusiasm, we generated a list of interview questions to interview other SLPs down the line for a future podcast, and I think they're going to be really fun. I can't wait to try them out. Me too. They're fun icebreakers. And uh, so this is going to be kind of like a quick lightning round of these fun questions before the real interview to help people warm up and help our audience get to know whoever we are interviewing. Mm -hmm. So today I'd love to ask them to you, Sari, and see if listeners can get to know you better. Okay. So it's super quick. So just go ahead and tell me the first answer you think of. Are you ready? All right. Yeah, sure. I'm up for anything. Okay. I'm going to set a timer so we don't go too long. Should we do one minute or two minutes? What do you think of questions? Oh, maybe you know, just one. Okay. You're like, I'm, give me a break. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I will set my timer. Ready, set, go. Finish this phrase. If I wasn't an SLP, I would be. A theater actress. Ooh. <laughs> What's your favorite SLP snack? Uh, pretzels. Uh, if I had to spend $20 on my speech room and I had to spend it today, I would spend it on? Probably books. If I had $20 to spend on myself and I had to spend it today. Oh, I don't know. Lotion. Okay. Uh, workout of choice. Um, workout of choice. Oh, I'm doing these insanity workouts right now and I'm really liking them. Okay. Um, beverage of choice. Uh, coffee. Uh, favorite thing to pack for lunch. Salad. Okay. Finish the sentence. I really appreciate people who... Are kind. I feel excited about hiking. I want to learn to skydive. Oh, okay. <laughs> and last one, I want to travel to Croatia. Ooh, me too. Okay, so we went just a tap, touch above the one minute mark. Okay, we did pretty good. All right, so transitioning to our next segment, what's up, what's <laughs> down? We talk about what's going well or not so well in our work and home lives. 
This week I've got the short straw and I'm doing what's down. So let's start with your what's down and end with uh, what's up. So for me, what's down is something we talked about previously on the podcast. A few months ago, I was thinking, I was talking about when things are really busy, put off appointments, put them off till later. And you were kind of encouraging me um, that what's worked for you is to just take a day off and do all your appointments. So what happened is I put off appointments consistently for a month. Then got even busier. My personal and work life got even more hectic and I had to make up all these appointments. So I'm telling you that Sari's idea was better (laughs) and to go ahead and do your appointments when you can, um, when they're due and don't put them off. Um, So that's my what's down. It's funny how life works sometimes. You can plan and plan, but no matter how much we plan, there's always going to be something unexpected that comes around the corner. So I'm glad that you uh, you did set up those appointments, mm-hmm. Sarah. I did, yeah. You checked them off the list. Um, those appointments outside of work can sometimes seem like busy work, like we talked about before. But I part of the reason I prioritize them is because they're necessary for your well-being, and I have historically done that in the past so I'm really trying to not put that off this year to do those appointments and take the time off from work to get that done because to me that's more important Mm -hmm. and those appointments come first because the appointments can feel like a drain especially when you have a busy schedule Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm sure many of you listening can relate so enough about me Sari let's talk about you what's your upside of this week Making videos. I think I found a new favorite lazy lesson. Efficient lesson. (laughs) Efficient lesson. Hooray. Um, This week I worked on many of, uh, with many of my students on making or recording videos using um, my school iPad that demonstrated the key concepts that they're working on in speech. And they were totally into it. It was so much fun. They loved videotaping each other and then watching it to make sure that they got it right. And it's so easy to do, to make videos now. And, and it's just a simple, fun, and engaging activity. It almost felt like I was tricking my students into working. But they had a blast, and they were really focused on actively working on the concept. So I loved it. So here's to, here's to videos. Mm-hmm. That's great. I've used videos for vocabulary, and I've shared those videos with parents on Google Drive, especially for nonverbal students, mm. so they can watch and rewatch and learn vocabulary. So an example is if I'm teaching body parts, I might label them on a picture, in a picture book, or on a favorite doll, and then send parents the link so that the child can watch it. I've oh, also used videos for social role-playing, but I should for sure break out the tablet and use it more often, and video modeling has been great for some of my clients. But Sari, your time in the sun is over because on the next segment, you drew this short straw, and you're sharing your lesson gone wrong. A lesson gone wrong is sharing a lesson that you planned and put time into and that you thought would go so right, (laughs) but went so wrong. Are you ready? As ready as I'll ever be. So transitioning to lessons gone wrong, we get really vulnerable here and talk about a lesson we put time and effort into that fell completely flat. We've all got lessons that are just so good in theory, but disastrous in practice. So we hope you can laugh um, with us and at the very least learn something new. 
A few episodes ago, I shared my crafting experience gone wrong, so it's Sari's turn to share a lesson. Sari, are there any lessons lately that you thought would be awesome and ended up being anything but? Yes, so I made these conversational turn-taking graphic organizers to try out with um, some of my students a couple weeks ago. And the idea was to have each student pay attention to how well they were taking turns in a conversation and bringing their partners into the conversation by tallying each of their and their partner's turns on the graphic organizers. And well, I, I must have done a terrible job explaining because they seem to think that whoever got the most tallies was the winner. <laughs> it was almost hysterical how big of a flop this lesson was. Each boy, it was a group of boys I tried it with, seemed to be taking turns just dominating the conversation with me jumping in frantically to remind them to let their partners to take a turn. It was, I'm just glad my CF mentor wasn't there grading me on that <laughs> lesson. I had to stop it halfway through and do something else because it had just gone too far down the wrong path for me to bring it back. And I, I think I just tried it too soon, didn't model it enough. They needed some other skills in place and a better understanding before they could do it. But it was a complete, complete lesson gone wrong. <laughs> yeah, we can laugh about it now, but maybe in the moment you weren't laughing. <laughs> oh <my goodness. laughs> nope. <laughs> okay. Uh, I can completely imagine that because points are so motivating for our kids and especially for kids on the spectrum mm -hmm. or really any older students. So I've been there, done that, and it becomes about competition. So, you know, you can try something collaborative to avoid this um, because I have right now my older clients will turn even a collaborative game into a competition to see who wins. So I can imagine some of my students doing the exact same thing because I've <laughs> seen them do it. I've been there for sure. Was there a lesson in this? Make it cooperative and nip it in the bud when it gets competitive. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you caught it before it got too carried away and made sure to switch it up. So you've got it right on the visual, but maybe the tallies were problematic. Yeah, definitely. Next segment, we're talking work transitions. From what we're hearing from you listening, you're interested in hearing more about changing jobs, work transitions, and SLPs who work in less common settings and have side hustles or income on the side that isn't related to their SLP work. We thought we'd start by talking about how to change settings, I've done it many times, and how to navigate a work transition. Yes, it can be so hard to know when to leave a job, but then to actually do it. Yeah, I think when you have that feeling of dread when you walk into work, um, or you can just never rest enough to be recharged from your hectic or draining work week, it may be time to seriously consider a change. I agree. If you're miserable at your job, you need to change. And we're SLPs. There's a high need for those in our profession and many, many capacities. There's lots of different career options for us, but sometimes it can be hard to face that big of a change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a huge change. So, Sari, for this segment, you're interviewing me about job transitions, and I'm not completely sure what all we'll talk about, but I'm very excited to hear your questions. And I think we know each other fairly well now, but have we talked much about my work transitions together? Um, not too much, so I wrote out some questions. And my first one is, how many times have you changed 
jobs. Okay. I may be missing some on the numbers because I've been an SLP for 10 and a half years now, but um, so I think it's six and that's in again, 10 and a half years as an SLP. And starting out as an SLP, I had the same job my first six years of working, meaning the last four and a half years, I've had five changes. I also moved during that time to a different city, so that was part of it. And I work several part-time jobs that add up to full-time work, meaning part of my employment has been super stable for many of these years, and part of my part-time work has changed quite a bit. Also, it's important to know I've worked part-time for a contract company during some of that time, and so that's two changes out of the five in the last several years. So what made you decide to leave your first job? so hard. It was a difficult decision. I didn't have a lot of clarity for a long time. And it took me more than a year of seriously considering it before I was able to go. For one, I was married about a year before I quit that job. And so as soon as I got married, I realized just how much my job was negatively influencing my out-of-work life. I was always tired, I was cranky pretty often, and I just didn't have the energy that I needed um, to have energy left at the end of my workday for my sweetheart or to do things outside of work Mm -hmm. as much as I'd like. And I think that basically being married to your job is fine when you're young and your job is your life and your calling, but I realized pretty quickly that year that I got married that it wasn't something I could keep doing. also did feel a sense of dread when I entered work, and that was a warning sign. Those emotions were hard for me to unpack because I really enjoyed my students and my coworkers. When I was at work, I felt overwhelmed and like I never had a spare second. I was overworked and it seemed like every year my caseload increased and so did the paperwork and the expectations. So for our listeners, what do you think were some of the signs that you noticed or some signs for them to look for that indicate that it's time to consider a job change? I love this question. I I would have loved to hear the answer to this like, you know, many years ago. Uh, One is getting the Sunday blues, which is this feeling of being really sad or overwhelmed. It usually starts about Saturday afternoon or evening Um, or really having those symptoms anytime. So having difficulty getting yourself to work, it'll feel like you're dragging yourself there. So again, any feeling of dread about working or going to work, feeling disconnected from your job or feeling disconnected from clients or coworkers, Mm -hmm. being more cranky than usual or maybe instead you're more withdrawn than usual or both, feeling detached, feeling like no matter what you do, it isn't enough. And feeling like you're no longer proud of your job accomplishments or that they aren't meaningful to you anymore. So I should say these are also all signs of burnout. And it's something that SLPs that I know have battled with, some for years at a time and others for their entire career on and off. So of course, you can't expect a job change to change everything. Try to take care of yourself. When I've gone through burnout, seeing a counselor helped. She suggested some things I tried to relate to my job better. So I tried a lot of these new routines at work and home to try to improve my situation. 
And I honestly did everything I could to feel better, and that wasn't enough. So that's when I knew for sure it was really time to quit. I also did talk to my boss, basically, saying if my job is offered to me next year, and if it looks like this, so I set out a reasonable caseload and number of schools, mm-hmm. etc., I can come back. Um, they couldn't make that work, so that was just confirmation of what I already knew, which is that it was time to walk away. I also wanted to mention, and this is important, happy people don't fantasize about quitting their jobs. <laughs> so if there's one thing I could have told myself during that time of transition, it's this. Your career isn't linear. You won't stair-step into better and better situations. Your career is like a roller coaster. And go with me on this, because it's not a perfect metaphor, but there will be ups and downs along the way. And the goal is to find things you're happier and happier with. And you won't always see the progress. I was talking on the phone to a friend recently, and I was just telling her I'm feeling frustrated, I'm tweaking how much I'm working and where I'm working and thinking about different settings, and I don't feel like I'm making progress. And she gave me the feedback that in the last several years, especially, she's seen, you know, from the outside, huge growth in my happiness and how I relate to my job. But I just couldn't see it in that moment that I was talking to her. So bringing in a very trusted outside source can be helpful, Mm -hmm. but don't pull people and ask for a bunch of opinions. So find a trusted friend or colleague or mentor, get feedback, and then take actions. Because asking too many people for advice becomes a tactic for delay. I do feel like our SLP happiness is partially us, too. So we need to work on ourselves, and it's partially our jobs. But I've had jobs where there was just no healthy way to relate. (laughs) What do you think was the hardest part about leaving a job, and how did you manage it? Two things. One is saying goodbye, leaving students and coworkers. Mm-hmm. I totally cried. Um, and two was jumping into the unknown. So I was leaving to a school setting to do full-time telepractice, and that was at a time where no one really did telepractice yet, and... I was going to be a contractor, meaning if they couldn't find me a contract, I'd be up you-know-what creek without a paddle. And that was scary. So fortunately, I had a good experience. I got a job placement. But there was a period of time from the time I you know, resigned from one job until the contract company could find me a new job that was pretty scary, and there were a lot of unknowns in that transition for me. And I think as far as how I managed it, it was to just do it. Mm. So do you think that it helps or hurts the profession to have SLPs quit their jobs? Yeah, I have heard SLPs say, you know, you're hurting the profession if you leave a job, and that just isn't true. I think as SLPs, we assume since there aren't enough of us to go around many times, we shouldn't quit. Most of us feel that quitting guilt. I know I've felt it. Mm -hmm. You don't know if they'll be able to find someone. And if they do find someone, how well that person will manage the job you're working now. My argument would be that staying in a job that is unmanageable hurts the profession. By continuing, we are accepting the workload. We're accepting the dynamics. We are accepting the difficulties and the expectations. We aren't doing this consciously, but through our actions, by continuing to work there, we're saying, this is okay. 
this job is okay, this workload is okay, this bullying environment or toxic environment is okay. It helps us personally if we resign mindfully, but it also helps the profession. When we say we are leaving and we are leaving due to workload or whatever and moving on, once someone has that feedback, what they do with it is their choice. A few places I've worked have this structure in place after you resign and you're secured at your new job, so you aren't worried about getting a bad reference, Mm -hmm. they will do an exit interview. And this is a time to be professional, but but professionally honest. If you don't have an exit interview and you feel like you can give this feedback to your boss, I do it in person because written things tend to get forwarded to other people. And again, just be super respectful and say, this is why this wasn't a good fit. Mm -hmm. And here are a few things or suggestions that if these change, it would really increase how long someone can stay in this job. That said, sometimes doing that just doesn't feel right. Or in the case of, for example, workplace bullying, you, you're you just going to want to get out of there when the time is right, and that con- kind of conversation wouldn't be fruitful. So how would you recommend to others who are considering changing their jobs about how to go about looking for something better? Mm-hmm. Figure out what you want from a job. Think about settings, interview people. If you don't work, summers, start shadowing people and asking them what they like and don't like about their jobs. Are there questions that you ask in an interview or signs that you look for during an interview process that tell you a potential job may have a toxic work environment? Mm -hmm. I love this question. Uh, There's a blog post that went out recently written by Sarah Wu. She has the Speech is Beautiful blog and website, and she mentioned to ask who is formerly in this position and how long did they last? And I've actually been doing that for years, not just the very last person, but ask about the last several people. And if they tell you that someone left because of burnout or that it's a difficult environment, which they might say, take heed. Uh, I also try to talk to someone who currently works there. So it's easier if it's in an area where you've lived for a while and you already know someone who knows someone. You could ask your interviewer to hook you up with another SLP's phone number, but that isn't ideal. And here's why. The challenge is for that SLP, they might not be as honest as they'd like to because their boss wants you hired and that SLP knows it. So it puts them in a weird position sometimes Mm -hmm. if after talking with them, you don't end up taking the job. Oh yeah, I can see that if you're an SLP working in the job and your boss asks you to talk about the working environment to a potential new hire, how you would be torn if it, if it was a bad job situation. So between wanting to make your boss happy and seem like a good employee and telling the truth if it was a toxic environment, that could be pretty tough. Exactly. That said, I have taken jobs just because I've really needed one right then and mm-hmm. I was in a bind especially when moving to a new place. So if that's your situation, I've done it too, and I'm I'm glad I did it. So I've also interviewed and thought things would go a certain way and be a good fit when they weren't. So don't put too much pressure on yourself. Course correct when you need to. Find out how long your contract is and know that you can always make a change. I would not necessarily recommend assuming that you're going to stick with your first job until you retire, unless you're nearing retirement age. And in that case, you go girl or guy. 
So I wanted to talk some about knowing when it's time to leave versus job hopping. And that wherever you go, there you are. For example, if you are a perfectionist, that comes with you from job to job. So if there's too much work to do, it might just plain and simple be too much work. And it could be your standards of perfectionism, which will follow you wherever you go. Yes. I think if you're looking for a job where you won't be overworked as an SLP, you might be looking for a job for a very long time. (laughs) Or with the burnout example, it can be totally situational, as in it can come because you're working a specific job. Mm. Or it could be like... Sari and I, if you're a perfectionist with high standards, you know, that's going to follow us wherever we go. So we're going to keep that in mind if we ever make a job change. So you know that it's time to change when you've tried what you can and it's still an unworkable situation and you're just plain unhappy. Right. Remember to put your quality of life as top priority too. Yeah. And I wanted to come back to this point. Your career isn't linear, you don't make increasingly good choices and grow at an exponentially high rate. I think fear of failure keeps us from moving on. Will the next job be good enough? Will it be an improvement or a step up? And some of these changes aren't an improvement per se. They're not a step up. So just finish your contract and move on. And I would say fear of failure keeps many of us from trying something new. You won't be seriously thinking of trying something new or changing jobs if it's not something that you probably need to do or to at least think about doing. And one of my favorite quotes, since I gave up good health insurance and retirement benefits when I left my first job, is this. What good is an awesome health plan if you find yourself crying in the fire escape stairs every day? I'm I'm paraphrasing that from author Jen Sincero. Oh, that makes me feel all the feelings. Me too. And another thing that keeps us from making changes as SLPs is probably personal guilt. It's feeling like if we have a bad relationship with our job or an unhealthy relationship with our job, that it's our fault. So there's a lot of SLP guilt there too. So if that personal guilt is an issue, make a plan. Decide what you're going to try to make it better. Try it out. And if it doesn't help, think about a change. Right really reflect on what is going wrong with the job and try to avoid putting it on you. It's it's not your fault. Um, A change needs to happen one way or another, and it could be making a plan within the setting or it could be completely changing the setting. So up next, even more SLP wisdom about what it's like to start something new and what to do about it. This comes from Marie Forleo, business expert and YouTuber. And yes, I've given SLP wisdom from her before. So this advice is for anyone who's starting something new and feeling overwhelmed by all the steps or someone who's procrastinating because there's so much to do and it's hard to know where to start. The advice is this, start small and sucky. In other words, just do the thing. Starting small and sucky means start with one piece at a time, Don't worry if it's perfect. Get your work out there and build from there. You'll just get better as you go along, but not from the start. If you want to start perfect, you may never start. So do the thing in your messy and imperfect way and make adjustments as you go along. I really relate to this as far as getting into grad school and finishing grad school, but also starting this podcast. Mm. There were so many steps and I was unfamiliar with 
them, but you know, you have to start somewhere. So if you're listening and you have a goal, start it. Try to not get overwhelmed. Research, but don't over-research and start with one step at a time, nice and small and sucky. This is the perfect advice for a CF. I've heard a similar phrase about not trying to take on the whole elephant, to take things in small steps. And um, I, I think it's when eating an elephant, take it one bite at a time. And I think it's a quote from Creighton Abrams, according to the internet. <laughs> what is that? Is that an idiom or a story? Because the phrase is about eating a whole elephant, which is such a weird thing to say. I don't even know. Okay, but why would you eat an elephant? (laughs) (laughs) That's a great question. I love elephants. I wouldn't. Anyway. But now, okay, now I'm stuck on elephants. Because if you're worried about eating an elephant, I'm like, stop your friggin' worrying already. You have an entire elephant to eat, right? So you'll be full for years. I, yeah. Well, so there you go. Advice on starting small and sucky and how to eat an elephant. And just how much to worry as you eat it. So, you're welcome. Yeah, covering (laughs) crucial topics at SLP Happy Hour. So, now we have my favorite elephant joke. Uh, I just have to share. Uh, What do you call an elephant that doesn't matter? An irrelevant. Get it? (laughs) it. That's adorable. (laughs) I'm glad you get me, Sarah. So on that high note or low note, it's time to wrap up. So there you have it for this episode. We hope you enjoyed the show and that you forgive us for our elephant jokes. (laughs) Wherever you are on your SLP journey, I hope this podcast was helpful and that you feel more connected and empowered by listening today. Let's figure this out together. By sharing our experiences and perspectives, we can become more connected to each other and more forgiving of ourselves. Let's navigate through these thorny issues together. As we do, remember you already know what you need to know to be an awesome SLP. You already care as much as you need to care to be an awesome SLP. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of SLP Happy Hour. Each week, we share a way you can support this podcast. And this week, we are talking ratings and reviews. Ratings is how many stars you give us in your podcast player. Reviews are the narrative or what you write to describe the show. Writing those reviews helps listeners know what to expect from this podcast and see if it's something they might like too. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. iTunes reviews are especially helpful. And if you want to connect with us, you can visit our website, slphappyhour.com, or find us on Instagram as SLP Happy Hour. We hope you enjoyed the show and that this was a little slice of an SLP Happy Hour for you. We've enjoyed recording it. Thank you so much for listening and for supporting the show. We wish you all the best, no matter where you are on your SLP journey. Until next time. And on that high note, it's time to wrap up. Or maybe it was a low note. So there you have it for this episode. We hope you enjoyed the show and that you forgive us for our elephant jokes. Oh, my stomach. Our listeners probably could hear that. My goodness.
I need to eat more grapes. (laughs) (laughs) If there's one thing you do not eat, (laughs) it's more grapes. I think I ate the whole bowl. (laughs) You had like three. (laughs) 